Marketing Studio, a bi-weekly podcast devoted to examining successful marketing strategies driving new business development at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business, a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I am joined by Lee Ullman. Lee is the co-director of Ackerman X, an innovation venture that leverages human-centered design practices to bring fresh thinking and new legal solutions to market. Lee drives the firm's innovation initiatives with a special focus on R&D and social impact. She also works closely with Ackerman's Philanthropic Council to create positive change in the areas of education and youth development by building collaborative partnerships with clients and impact-driven community organizations and engages with the firm's leadership to integrate philanthropic, pro bono, diversity, and sustainability initiatives into a coordinated social impact strategy. Lee, welcome to Legal Marketing Studio. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here. So I think what a lot of people think of as innovation isn't necessarily innovation. And what I think is interesting about what you're doing is that you're bringing a very different process to it and a very different way of thinking about where innovation starts and how it happens. So I was hoping you could just quickly start by telling us about what design thinking is and how you guys define it here at Ackerman. Design thinking is essentially a creative way of problem solving, and it has the client at at the center of everything that you're designing. Some people call it human-centered design. It starts with a specific client need in our world, and if you're doing it right, ends with the creation of a new solution to address that specific need. Many designers, like furniture makers, car makers, use design thinking to create their products and offer better products to their clients. And more and more companies like Google, IBM, and even accounting and law firms are using design thinking to create better client experiences and better services for their clients as well. And there's actually studies that show that companies and firms that use design thinking are actually more profitable. So that's a nice thing to think about when we're thinking about design thinking and talking to our lawyers about why it makes sense to use this creative problem-solving technique. It's something that I thought was interesting. I, I was reading in doing the background research that some of these companies you noted, uh, companies like IBM, Apple, Google, that are using design thinking, design-centered processes do something like 200% better, their market return is 200% better or something like that than the larger market, which yeah. is a pretty incredible business case for, for doing this. How much did you guys think about like, oh, these companies perform so much better. How much better can we perform? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when we, we really had to do our research and we were introducing design thinking to our firm and firm leadership because we kind of had to make the case. It was sort of a new way of approaching it. And so Legal marketers know this. Anytime you're introducing any sort of innovation or new concept into your firm, you really need to take a step back, do your research, and draw draw lines between how it affects the bottom line and also lawyer time. Which, you know that's gold in our in our firms, and we really need to always be mindful of that. I think, and I've seen that this design thinking process actually streams streamlines a lot of the meetings and time that we're asking for our lawyers to really help them essentially design better services for clients. How do you structure the process specifically here? Because I know there's, you know, the process is fairly drawn out in a lot of design fields from discovering what the issues are, reframing those, you know, pain yeah. points or friction points as opportunities, 
ideating, prototyping, testing, refining, and then putting things to market and then kind of redoing it. Do you go through that full process or have you simplified it all or, or created your own version of it? Well, first I'll say having that structure actually helps to move things forward much more quickly. And although there's an iteration process, when you fail faster, you are actually skipping a lot of steps because by the time you develop and introduce a product to market, that product's ready to go. Whereas a lot of times, you know, we'll do a lot of brainstorming. Some Somebody will come up with an idea that they think might work without really consulting with the clients or prototyping it. They, the firm invests a lot of money in this. They put it to market and nobody wants that service. So then you have to go back to the drawing board and you've already spent a lot of time and resources. So actually having a defined process and really going through prototyping and iteration um, is really helpful. And maybe I should take a step back to just kind of define what those steps are, because I think it's important to understand that. And then we take parts of that and try to infuse it in our day-to-day. So essentially, design thinking starts with empathy and observation. And I think that's one of the more important parts of it. Design thinking really sets you on a path for success and sets you up to solve a problem that needs to be solving rather than going down a rabbit hole where who knows what you're going to find there or, or why you're doing it. So observation, really looking at client behavior. And a lot of times the best solutions come about because you've discovered a latent client need, a need that a client doesn't even know that they have. People sometimes don't really know how they're interacting in the world. And, and if you can tap into that and really think about that, you're already going to find yourself addressing a problem that needs to be solved. So once you do that, you go through the ideation process as a brainstorming process and generating as many ideas and looking for similarities and ideas. And then you move on to prototyping, taking your ideas and actually putting them in front of people. It could be your other lawyers, marketing people, some clients, some people even outside the industry to get their thoughts and have them use the tool, whatever you're creating. And then it's iterating. So based on the feedback that you get, developing new ideas, incorporating those ideas until you have something that's ready to go to market. And you can see when you go through those steps, how you're really, again, setting yourself up to address a specific need. You already have an audience or client that wants that item or tool or idea, and you can really come up with something new. Before we get to kind of specifically how it's played out at the firm, in the industry generally, where do you see the most room for applying this? You know, is it really business processes at the firm? Is it client relations issues? Is it business development things? Or is it actually somewhere in the actual legal services that you're seeing opportunities for for innovation? For innovation or design thinking? Both. Both? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean... I- there's, there, I think there's a lot of opportunity. I think you could, you know, I even have lawyers at the firm who are using design thinking to figure out where to send their kids to college. I mean, you could use it in your life and you can right. use it as the, at, you know, to develop new products, um, new ways of thinking about your, your practice. We really focus at, at our firm and we think that a key to innovation is new ways of working together. So we've developed things like our Ackerman X lab, which is based in our Miami office to bring our people together and not just lawyers, but marketing people, IT people, lots of different people across the firm to come together and get training on design thinking or best practices, but also work on actual projects together. 
So we have at the firm a client experience team. And that actually was developed at through a design thinking innovation tournament at one of our retreats. And so this was the winning idea. So we put together this client team, which is, again, lawyers, office administrators, IT professionals, marketing people. And they come together and they address different areas of the firm. So our billing process, our intake process, and also client feedback. And so we've combined members from client feedback on our client experience team with our R&D council members. And I'm not sure if we've talked about our R&D council yet. Certainly not today. Not today. Um, Um, A little bit in background, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about the R&D council and how, how that sort of differs from and is related to... Ackerman X and and bringing in this process. So it's very related. The R and D Council, which I think is is I know I understand that it's legal industry's first um, R and D co venture with clients, and so we have a handful of clients and a handful of our senior leaders that serve on a council that is really the governing body of all of our innovation activities, and they really infuse the voice of the client and the client perspective in everything we do, and we feel that that's very important for our innovation activities. So with this client feedback project, we took this idea to our R&D council client members, and they gave us their feedback on that saying, you know, this is really important and we need something that goes beyond the client interview or the pulse survey. And so they're co-creating with us and with our client experience team to develop a new way of engaging our clients around ongoing feedback that we can be responsive to. One of the things that I think about when I think about innovation in today's business environment is a lot of people think of it as disruption, as though you're going to totally turn something heads over heels. I don't get the sense that that's what what you're thinking here. Is this are, you're not looking for huge gains? It's really kind of these small steps to build a better firm. Or, or am I? It's a good question. I think we are looking for disruption, and I think it's important that to get to real disruption, true innovation, you need to have a culture shift. You need to build the infrastructure. And so that's really what Ackerman X is about. It's a way of organizing that innovation infrastructure. And we realize that, again, building that culture is key. You're you're not going to be able, for instance, how could you move away from the billable hour if you don't have the structure in place to do that and you don't have the buy-in from your people to be interested in doing something like that? So, one of the reasons why, to go back to your first question, why why design thinking, is because we realized that we couldn't expect our lawyers who are trained to be lawyers to be able to have these disruptive ideas if we didn't train them how to think differently and how to work differently. And so that's why design thinking has been so key. It's really a stepping stone, if you will, to that larger disruption. And that, I mean, that sort of brings up you know, we talked a, a couple weeks ago, and something I found really fascinating was how you built up the buy-in yeah. um, throughout the firm and gave the, you know, I mean, you've done a lot of training so that this is infused throughout the firm and not just with the lawyers, but also with the staff as well. Can you talk a bit about how that buy-in was built and how you kind of moved that through the firm? First of all, our firm leadership is very much behind what we're doing with innovation. We wouldn't have I wouldn't have my position if they weren't, or we wouldn't have an Ackerman X program. And they have, especially our, our chairman, Andrew Smullyan, 
really thoughtful about what does the law firm of the future look like and where do we fit into that? So several years ago, we launched the Law 2023 study, which I recommend you read at sunnycrimen.com, which kind of lays out the key elements of what a law firm of the future looks like. And it really was developed through a consortium of uh, legal industry leaders and other professionals. And that's sort of kicked off from that study buy-in at the senior levels of our firm of why we need to do this and built the business case. So that was really helpful to have that. We also convened all of our firm leadership in design thinking training. And so from the top down, there was that message and understanding of why, what it is and why it's important. So that was key. We've also asked each of our practice groups to um, send us a representative who really is interested in innovation, who's already doing great things within their practice group to come and be trained and serve as sort of innovation ambassadors on the practice group level. So you have somebody who's in a meeting saying, hey, what what do you think our client thinks about this idea? And already knows how to introduce, maybe subtly, maybe not so subtly, depending the person, that kind of thinking into our daily work. As that's being, as those questions are being asked, as that process is being you know, brought to bear on problems, whether they're large or small. Are those big initiatives or sometimes are they simply small interactions and you say, how can we improve this interaction going forward? How, how, what's the scale at which you're applying the, this thought process? I, I think it varies. I'm happy about that because I think, again, if we're looking to build a culture, it needs to kind of show up everywhere. So we'll have, we have client teams for specific, some of our larger clients. And I know that some of those teams following the, the the trainings that we've done, have used a strategy called backcasting, which is where you project into the future and then kind of run through the steps of what you would have needed to do to get to that outcome. And they've used that to develop their business plans for the year. So that's sort of setting the, their course of action for the whole year for that specific client group. So I've seen that. We're also working with designers on more wicked challenges, if you will, like billing for value and client feedback and some of the other larger, really, I think, industry disruptive challenges that are not new. Law firms have been talking about this stuff forever, but maybe it's not, we all agree on what the problem is, but we're not really sure on how to come up with a solution. And so we think going through this process is really going to help us surface fresh thinking around that. I guess going back to that that buy-in question, I know a lot of lawyers just by nature and by training are hesitant sometimes to go outside the box, to think a little bit differently. I know you talk about having it be a top-down kind of thing and getting buy-in from from leadership and having the support of leadership, but how do you overcome the pushback? Look, we're never, we don't even try to convince people to engage in our innovation programs or design thinking if they're not interested because there are people here that are interested and it for us we're, we we want to invest in the things that they're already doing and help them build the innovations that they're working on and i think one of the reasons why having what i was referring to before as our practice group ambassadors is that they show their colleagues why this stuff matters and when you know a lawyer sees another lawyer being successful or having a good idea and getting resources to build that idea, I think they're either going to want to engage in that or they're or they're not. And usually, in my experience, they want to. And another thing that I've noticed is 
the lawyers seem very excited about being able to use this part of their brain. When we did our large training of all of the senior lawyers, we brought them together for two-day training, essentially. And we were really nervous about how they would take it because definitely, because it was everybody, it wasn't just the believers. We were very nervous about what kind of engagement we would see. And even the, you know, the lawyers that we were a little nervous about, are they going to enjoy this? Are they going to have a terrible time? They actually really enjoyed having the chance to share their ideas around some of these topics that they never really had a chance to sit down with their colleagues and talk about and put up on a whiteboard and think about. One of the things I love about working in a law firm is really working around intellectual, creative people. And their day-to-day, because of, let's say, the billable hour, is very structured. And when you give an opportunity to, to get outside of that, I think most people, when they understand that that's really what this is about, want to engage in that. Could you go a bit more into the yeah. training? Yeah. Uh, whether you, did you bring someone in from outside? You have someone in-house who's got the skills to do this kind of training? So for the two-day training, um, we worked with an outside firm called Treehouse Innovation. They're great. And they came in and really worked with us on how to structure that two-day training and, and what that would look like and have really been a great resource for us. We also have looked for other opportunities. IDEO, um, if you go to IDEO.org, there's some great free toolkits there that we have used. We've also done some of their group online trainings. This is a total plug for IDEO right now. But we've we've used that in our Acrum and X lab with some of our lawyers to take them through a structured group design think. Um, so the, that has been a tool and training tool that's been helpful. And then I also have helped to, I've trained our marketing team on some design thinking, and we've done some internal trainings, my co-director and myself, on what design thinking is, how we can use it in our day-to-day. We have an online toolkit internally. So we're looking for any and all opportunities to bring that skill set to our lawyers and, and all of our people at the firm. And what kind of resources are there if someone, you know, Again, you, you mentioned you know, if you're a practice group having a meeting and someone says, oh, how can we think about it from the client's point of view? How can we do this? What kind of resources can you bring either from marketing or from X or from elsewhere in the firm? What resources are available to help make that process happen? Is that just part of their general support structure of, of the firm or are there special resources available for the process? We have a lot of resources available internally for our lawyers and, and, and our people to use on a daily basis. We have an online database. It's really a platform where we have, here. here's a step-by-step guide on how to do backcasting, for instance, which is a strategy we talked about before. And here's a few articles on how other companies are using design thinking to help you make the business case. And here's a couple videos that you can watch on other exercises um, and how you might be able to use that and apply it to the law firm setting. There really aren't a lot of materials out in the world right now about how specifically law firms can use design thinking. So we've created our own and we are also constantly going through the auditing process of what are people doing now at our firm? How are they using design thinking and what are they doing that's innovative that we can share and report out? So that's another function of Acreman X. And my role at the firm is to really collect that information and 
disseminate it internally. Because I think the most effective thing for our people to see is, yeah, yeah, design thinking's great and innovation's great, but how does that affect me? And how does that make my life easier? And how does that make my client's life easier? So we really are looking for those examples. And I think that's the most powerful resource that we can offer people. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we do invest in designers and training and all of that. But to to be to do an, an effective design thinking exercise, you need some post-its and a, and a room. And you can really come up with some great results that way as well. I was just curious if it was a how formal the process was, if there were formal structures for helping people make these things happen, or if it was a more fluid, fluid, giving people the tools that they need and, and sort of the information and oh. letting them do it on, on their end. There's, there's two answers to that question. One is the answer that I gave. So there's, yes, we provide tools. We say, go have fun. If you need help, come back to me and um, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk through it. And then there's more structured innovation activities, the larger issues that we talked about that will run through the Ackerman X pipeline, innovation pipeline. And that's where we'll have, you know, we'll pick a team of internal people. Maybe it's a practice group. Maybe it's specific people or lawyers at the firm that have certain strengths for the issue that we're trying to address. We'll have a designer come from outside. We'll have clients, of course, and we'll have our R&D council. And that's a very structured process that we go through to address that problem. You know, I'm curious how that process then has played out. If, if there's like particular examples of either programs or initiatives that have either been started through this process or that have come to fruition through the process and, you know, that have really, that you think are successful that really represent something new. Yes. So on, on the smaller scale, some of the uh, initiatives that I spoke about are our, our, our uh, client experience team and the client feedback project and some of our, our client teams that are using backcasting and all that kind of stuff. On a larger scale, we've actually developed some tools that we're have brought to market. And one in particular that I think is interesting is our Ackerman Data Law Center, which is our automated inventory of data privacy and security laws, which was developed in collaboration with Thomson Reuters and Neotologic. And what's interesting about that is there's an artificial intelligence aspect to that. There's a lot of information that's automated, but we're able to do that because we've partnered with a, a legal service provider. And I think, which is Thomson Reuters, they have that access. So that partnership is really innovative in itself, that kind of collaboration. Uh, we're recognized by the Financial Times for that. And we think that we'll probably see more of that across the industry where you have law firms partnering with legal service providers to develop a totally new product that enhances our clients' business sort of looking back to the big picture, what do you see on the horizon in terms of changes happening in the industry, either big things that are going to affect everybody or kind of these little areas that people haven't quite learned to exploit yet, but they're going to, and it's going to help some firms gain advantage? I definitely think we're going to see more design thinking. We already are. And more firms coming forward with R&D councils and involving clients in that process. Um, I think we're also going to see more of these partnerships with legal service providers that I mentioned. And then I think we're going to see an even more obsession with predictability for clients in lots of different ways. So that could be this billing for value or finding other ways to give a client one bill 
for the year and that's it beyond uh, alternative fee arrangements. So we're going to see an obsession with that because that's what I hear and we're all hearing that clients want. I think we're also going to see more transparency or desire from transparency from clients. And I think technology is going to enable us to do that. So meaning clients want to be able to go in and see what you're working on and see why you know this costs that and really play a more active role in how those services are being packaged. Is there going to be a shift in the relationship and the balance of power going forward? Is that really something that's not necessarily an innovation, but something that's going to drive innovation going, going forward? I think it's more a, a closer collaboration um, because certainly everything that we do, we do in the service of our clients. But I think our clients also want to be fair and want, you know, they have a relationship with our, our lawyers and our firms. But they're moving, our clients are moving more towards tech-based analytics, having that information. And so we need to be able to have that information to provide them as well. And so that's going to involve a big infrastructure change. I think what's also going to evolve if we're doing that infrastructure change anyway is the actual roles that lawyers have and other professionals have within the law firm setting. So you're going to see more developers. You're also going to see lawyers stepping outside of the traditional lawyer role and maybe doing more business analyzation, or maybe they'll be more involved in innovation. There's a lot of different possibilities for that. And I think for legal marketers, it's a great opportunity to find new ways to bring value to our firms in different ways than we had the opportunity to do before. You know, how important is it going to be going forward for firms to be taking the lead on this rather than waiting for clients to kind of impose changes on them? You don't want to have the Kodak moment. Uh, and I think firms are really waking up to that. And we're seeing that across the industry. We know that we need, and it's been a slow train coming. I think a lot of firms realize that this needs to happen. And also our clients are seeing that and demanding that from us. And we have a new generation of lawyers coming through our law firms who I think understand that as well. And so while there may be, there definitely is a sense of fear of change or we're doing fine, so why should we change? And we know it based on history what happens when you get too comfortable there. I think you always need to be looking ahead and need to be tracking what your clients are doing. And so when you, when you look at that, there's very little argument against change, but we all know that change can be difficult. So we're focusing on the ways that we can slowly affect change. And I think within the past few years, we've seen a lot of change happening across the industry. So I'm hopeful for the future. Great. I think that's a great place to leave it. Always looking forward, hopeful for the future. <laughs> that's a good spot. Lee, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio Podcast. Thank you. It's so great to talk to you. And thank you to our listeners who've joined us for this episode. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. The Legal Marketing Studio can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Extended content, including photographs and links to some of the resources that Lee mentioned, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com. It is just legalmarketing.studio. The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio focused on the legal industry, based in Brooklyn, New York, and working with clients nationally. If your firm is updating its website, hiring new attorneys, or revamping its brand and marketing materials, please give us a call. We'd love to explore collaborative opportunities. More information can be found at picturemorebusiness.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. 